السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ ہاؤ آر یو آل ڈوئنگ آئی ہرڈ این ال I would like to test you. May I? You guys are used to quizzes, aren't you? No? Or yes? You're used to quizzes. So I would like to make sure that you have memorized the word-to-word translation so that when I'm doing the tafsir, you know what I'm talking about. Okay? So what I would like you to do is, I'm going to ask you the meaning, the word-to-word translation of each ayah, of each verse. So whoever would like to do the translation of the first ayah, please raise your hand. Okay. Alif Lam Mim. Yes. Thalik that al-kitabu is the book. La rayba, no doubt at all. Fih in it. Hudan, guidance. Lil-muttaqim. For those who adopt taqwa. Who have adopted taqwa. Good, mashaAllah. Barakallahu feek. Excellent. Next ayah. Who would like to do the translation of the second verse? Al-Ladina, those who yu'minuna, they believe bil-ghaib with the unseen, wa yuqimuna, and they establish a salah, the salah, wa mamma, and from whatever azaknahum, we provided them, yunfiqun, they spend. MashaAllah, barakallahu feeki. Next ayah. Wal-Ladina, and those who... And those who, good. Yu'minuna, and... They believe, excellent. Bimaw, whatever... In whatever. In whatever. Unzira, it was sent down. Ilayka, to you. Wama, and whatever. Unzira, it was sent down. Min, qabadik, before you. Wabil akhirat. Wabil akhirat. Wabil akhirat. And in the hereafter. Hum, they, yuqinun. They are certain. They are certain. Excellent. MashaAllah. Last verse. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Okay, I have some people in the front. Ulaika, those Allah upon hudam guidance, may Rabbi him from the Rabb, wa ulaika, and those whom al-muflihoon, it is they who are successful. Al-muflihoon, those who are successful. MashaAllah, excellent. Now we're going to do tafsir of these verses, but before that, I would like you to listen to the recitation of these verses. And as we are listening, how are we going to listen? Eyes on the text. We have to engage all our senses. Okay? Because the more focused we are, the more attention we give to something, the better we grasp. Okay? The more we get out of it. So I want you to focus your eyes on the text. Your finger or your pen or pencil, whatever you have, should be following along. And your ears where? Your ears where? Listening attentively. What about your mouth? What is your mouth going to do? It's going to be nice and quiet. Okay, ready? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> 
Have you heard of the terms Madani or Makki? When you hear the word Makki, what city comes to your mind? Makkah. When you hear the term Madani, what city comes to your mind? Medina. We know that the Prophet ﷺ, he lived in Makkah for quite some time after prophethood, at least 13 years. And then after that, he did hijrah to Medina. Alright? Now, this is the reason why we said the Qur'an was revealed over a period of how many years? 23 years. Alright? 13 years before the hijrah, before the migration, and 10 years after the migration. So when we study the Qur'an, we always look at when that portion of the Qur'an was given to the Prophet ﷺ. Why is it necessary to know when it was given to him? Because that helps us understand those verses better. Because we know who is it that is being spoken to. Because in Makkah, remember what happened. The Prophet ﷺ was inviting people to believe in Allah to not worship idols. But generally, what were the people doing? Were they listening to him? No. What happened after the migration? The Prophet ﷺ lived in Medina. And who else lived there with him? Those who believed in him. So you see the difference. Before the hijrah, the verses that were revealed primarily addressed who? Those people who did not believe. And after the hijrah, the verses that were revealed addressed who? The people who believed. So Makki, I want you to write this down in your notes now. Makki refers to those surahs, those chapters or verses of the Qur'an that were revealed before the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina. And Madani surahs or verses are which ones? Those which were revealed, help me here, those which were revealed after the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina. So now, I have a question. If Surah Al-Baqarah is a Madani Surah, when was it revealed? Before or after the migration? After. Okay. When it was revealed after the migration, then mainly... Who are the people who are being addressed in this surah? Is it those who believe or those who don't believe? Raise your hand. Yes? Those who believe. So those who believe. Okay? Who are we? Who are we? Do we believe in Allah? 
Do we believe in the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Do we believe in the Day of Judgment? Hmm? So that means there are some things we have to do. So this is why in Surah Al-Baqarah there are many commands that we will be learning about. That as Muslims, what are we supposed to do? As Muslims, how are we supposed to live? As Muslims, how are we supposed to deal with one another? So Surah Al-Baqarah is a Madani Surah. It was revealed after the Hijrah. Now, remember when we learned about Surah Al-Fatiha, I told you about the merits of the Surah? Remember? What are merits? The special qualities. The importance. So when it comes to Surah Al-Baqarah, what are the merits of Surah Al-Baqarah? How is Surah Al-Baqarah important? When you saw the flyer of this course, what did you see? Surah Al-Baqarah, what was written under it? The pinnacle of the Qur'an. If you look at the back cover of your book, again, what does the hadith say? The statement of the Prophet ﷺ that the pinnacle of the Qur'an is Surah Al-Baqarah. So first and foremost of the merits of Surah Al-Baqarah is that it is the pinnacle of the Qur'an. It is Sanamul Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ said that إِنَّ لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ سَنَامًا وَسَنَامُ الْقُرْآنِ سُورَةُ الْبَقَرَةِ That for everything is a pinnacle. And the pinnacle of the Qur'an is Surah Al-Baqarah. The question is, what is sanam? What is pinnacle? You see, in the Arabic language, the sanam of something is its highest part. The sanam of something is its highest part. Part. So for example, it is used to describe the hump of a camel. The hump of a camel. Think of a camel. Does it have a straight back? Does it? No. There is a hump on it. Right? And the hump is the highest part of the camel. The sanam of a people. So for example, a family, a group of people, their sanam is who? Their leader the best of them. So, Surah Al-Baqarah, why is it called the peak of the Qur'an or the pinnacle of the Qur'an? Why? What is the reason? Because it is the highest, the best part of the Qur'an. How exactly? Isn't Surah Al-Ikhlas like a third of the Qur'an? There are so many other surahs which are so important. How is Surah Al-Baqarah important? Can you think of an ayah which is in Surah Al-Baqarah, which is the greatest ayah? Which one is that? Ayatul Kursi. Surah Al-Baqarah is the highest, meaning the best part of the Qur'an. Why? Because it has the greatest verse in it. And its last two verses, what are they? Yes, Amin al-Rasulu. But how are they special? What's special about those two verses? You see, they are from the treasure of the throne. They're described as to be from the treasure of the throne. So they're also very important. So Surah Al-Baqarah, pinnacle of the Qur'an, why? Because it has Ayat al-Kursi. Its last two verses are also very important. Another reason why Surah Al-Baqarah is called Sanamul Qur'an is because it is the longest surah of the Qur'an. 
it takes a very big portion of the Qur'an. How many juz? Two and a half out of thirty juz is Surah Al-Baqarah. So it is the pinnacle of the Qur'an because it is the longest surah of the Qur'an. It is also called the pinnacle of the Qur'an, the third reason, because it has many commands and many instructions in it that lead a person along the right path. Because in Surah Al-Fatiha, what did we pray for? اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ That, oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. Now, how do we go on the straight path? How? What do we have to do? The answer to that is given in which surah? Surah Al-Baqarah. This is why it is so important. So a person cannot be on the right path unless and until they follow what Surah Al-Baqarah says. You understand? So it is Sanam Al-Quran. And you know, something very important about Surah Al-Baqarah. How many verses are in Surah Al-Baqarah? Over 200, right? How many exactly? 286. But you know, there are a hundred verses of Surah Al-Baqarah that tell us about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At least one hundred verses of the surah, so more than a third of the surah, tells us about who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His names, His attributes. Because إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ you alone we worship. So who is it that we worship? The Sanamul Quran tells us about Allah. So first and foremost, what is the merit of Surah Al-Baqarah? It is the pinnacle of the Quran. Secondly, those who know Surah Al-Baqarah have a very special status. You know, once the Prophet ﷺ was sending a group of people for a certain work. But whenever he would send a group of people you know, to do something, he would always appoint one person as a leader amongst them. Okay? One person as the leader, as the boss. So that whenever there is something that needs to be done, he decides. So at one occasion, when he was sending a group of people, he started asking them, what do you know of the Qur'an? What do you know of the Qur'an? So one man, he said, I know Surah Al-Baqarah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, You are their leader. So you know why he appointed him as the leader? Because this man knew Surah Al-Baqarah. This is how important that man was near the Prophet ﷺ. Thirdly, Surah Al-Baqarah will be a means of honor for a person on the Day of Judgment. The person who reads the surah, learns it, follows it, then this surah will be a source of honor for them. The Prophet ﷺ said, Iqra'ul Qur'an. Read the Qur'an, because it will come on the Day of Judgment as an intercessor for its companions. Meaning it will come on the Day of Judgment and defend those who read it. It will come and support those who read it. And he said, اِقْرَأُوا الزَّهْرَوَيْنِ Read the two Zahrawain. What are Zahrawain? Al-Baqarah wa Surat Ali Imran. Surat Al-Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran. Read these two surahs especially. Why? Because they will both come on the Day of Judgment 
as if there were two clouds. On the day of judgment, these surahs will come as if there are two clouds, or two shades, or two flocks of birds. Why will they come in this form? Pleading for those who recite them. Have you ever been in a position where you're outside, stuck outside, in the heat? In the heat, in the sun, where there's no shade? Maybe? I think you've forgotten about summer because it's so cold these days. Huh? Maybe in the cold, have you ever been stuck outside waiting for the bus? And as you're standing and one car goes in front of you and then another goes by you and a third goes by you and as each car goes by you, does it make you even more cold? Doesn't it? Because it splashes and it creates wind and it makes you even more cold. So what do you need? You need shelter. On the day of judgment, we learn that the sun will be very close to people. And there will be nothing under which people will find shade. Because there's no mountain, no building, nothing. But some people will be given shade under Allah's throne. And those people who recite Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Ali Imran, then these two surahs will come in the form of two clouds shading them. And not just shading them, they will even come and plead for them, fight for them, defend them. That no, this person should not be sent to hellfire, this person should not be punished, or this person should be forgiven, this person should be entered into Jannah, because they used to read Surah Al-Baqarah. They used to recite Surah Al-Baqarah. So special honor for those who read the surah. Then we see Surah Al-Baqarah is also special because it's described as a blessing. It is described as a blessing. The Prophet ﷺ said, اقرأوا Surah Al-Baqarah فَإِنَّ أَخْذَهَا بَرَكَةً Read Surah Al-Baqarah because reading it, taking it, making it a part of your life, this will be a source of blessing. You will have blessing. You will have barakah in your time, in your money. But what do we do many times? Oh, I don't have time to recite the Qur'an because I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I can't do it. What do we learn here? Read Surah Al-Baqarah because when you will read it, you will have barakah. You know my grandmother... She has a habit, mashallah, of reciting Surah Al-Baqarah and Ali Imran every single day. Every single day. So sometimes she will start reciting after Fajr, sometimes before that, but she will make sure that she recites it. Yes. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like, oh, I'm so lonely, I have nothing to do. It's Sunday morning, I have nowhere to go, my mom's not taking me anywhere, my brother is gone, I'm just at home, I've got nothing to do, so I'll just play a game. We complain about not having anything to do. And then we're feeling sad, and we're feeling lonely, and we don't feel like doing our homework, we don't feel like doing anything. إِنَّ أَخْذَهَا baraka. When we spend time with the Qur'an, it will be a source of blessing for us. And he said, leaving it is a hasra. Leaving it will be a regret, a cause of grief. Meaning those who don't have Surah Al-Baqarah in their life, they're losing. 
and they will regret a lot. They will miss out on a lot of good things. وَلَا تَسْتَطِيعُهَا الْبَطَلَ And the magicians cannot counter it. Meaning, if you recite Surah Al-Baqarah, then you will be safe from the evil of magicians. No magic can harm you. No magic can harm you. I remember once somebody mentioned a story. I was attending a class and a sheikh mentioned the story that there was this magician and he was uh, doing this magic trick for people. And in that magic trick, you know, he was basically piercing his body with a lot of like nails and pins and whatnot. And everybody was like, oh, this is magic because this man is not dying. You know, he's got all these pins and nails and everything going through his body and he's not bleeding, he's not dying. And this person who's watching the magician, he goes, hmm, I'll just read Ayatul Kursi. Ayatul Kursi is part of Surah Al-Baqarah, right? So he read Ayatul Kursi. And when he read it, you know what happened? The magic was destroyed. So that magician ended up in the hospital. He ended up in the hospital because, you know, whatever magic he had done to protect him from getting hurt, it was broken. That spell was broken. So Surah Al-Baqarah is so powerful that it can save you and protect you and defend you from every magic. You know in Harry Potter there's that evil magician. What's his name? Lord who? Voldemort, exactly. So yes, it's a fictional character. But if even there was a person who's performing real magic and they're out to get you, they're out to harm you, can they harm you? They cannot harm you. If you have Surah Al-Baqarah on your tongue, if you have it in your life, it's a protection. It will save you. Then we see Surah Al-Baqarah is also a protection against shaitan. The Prophet ﷺ said that do not make your houses into graveyards. Have you ever been to a graveyard? Have you ever seen it? Many times you'll see graveyards are very beautiful in the sense that green grass and there's flowers everywhere. But typically, even if they're very decorated and beautiful, you feel lonely and sad there. Isn't it? Because yes, there are flowers. Yes, the grass is green. But you know that under the green grass are who? The dead. People don't live in graveyards. And even if you go for some time to the graveyard, you know that you're not staying there for the whole day. It's not a theme park. It's not Wonderland. So what do you do after some time? You get out of there. You know you're supposed to get out. You don't feel happy there. People cry in the graveyard. The Prophet ﷺ said, do not make your homes into graveyards. How can a house become a graveyard when there is no life, no happiness, no joy? He said, shaitan runs away from the house in which Surah Al-Baqarah is recited. Which means that if we don't recite the Qur'an in our houses, then our houses will be like what? Graveyards. There's no good in them. And shaitan runs away from the house in which Surah Al-Baqarah is recited. Have you ever felt that there's a jinn in your house? Yes. Who's scared of going into the basement? Who's scared of going into the garage when your mom says, go put the recycling? And you just open the door and just throw it and go go back in. You do that? Why are you scared? Because there could be jinn. 
It could be some shaitan, something evil in the dark that could just jump out at you and bite you or harm you. Shaitan runs away from the house in which Surah Al-Baqarah is recited. You want your home to be jinn-free? You want your house to be shaitan-free? Sometimes what happens, as soon as you walk in, everybody's in a bad mood. Everybody's in a bad mood. You put your bag there and your mom yells at you. You walk in, you put your jacket there and your dad yells at you. And you sit at the table and your brother steals something. And your sister comes and she starts whining. And the baby is crying and chaos, chaos, chaos. And you're like, what is going on here? And you just want to get out or you go upstairs in your room or you just go turn the TV on or just get into your phone or your iPad because you don't get along with anybody. Who's active? Shaitan is active over there. So how do you get rid of shaitan? How do you get him out of your house? How? Surah Al-Baqarah. So five merits of Surah Al-Baqarah I told you. What are they? Firstly, it is the pinnacle of the Qur'an. Secondly, those who read it have a special status. Thirdly, it will be an intercession, an honor for those who Read it on the Day of Judgment. Fourth, it's a blessing. And fifth, it is a protection against who? Shaitan. This is how important Surah Al-Baqarah is. What does Surah Al-Baqarah say? Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alif Lam Meem. What are Alif Lam Meem? How do you translate it? Hmm? Alif Lam Mim. Alif Lam Mim. What does it remind you of? Alif, Ba, Ta, Tha. What are these? Arabic letters. So Alif Lam Mim, these are known as Huruf Muqatta'at. What do you call that in English? The disjointed letters. Why are they called the disjointed letters? Because you read them separately. Okay? You don't connect them. And these letters are mentioned at the beginning of some surahs. Can you think of another surah that begins with similar huruf? Qaf, what else? Noon, Yasin, anything else? Yes? Alif, Lam, Mim, Ra, okay? Ta, Sin, Mim, yes? Kaf, Ha, Ya, Ain, Saad. Which surah is that? Surah Maryam. Okay. So these letters come in different combinations at the beginning of some surahs of the Qur'an. Now these letters in and of themselves, they don't have a meaning because they are from the Arabic alphabet. And in the Arabic language, the alphabet don't carry a meaning. However, there is a reason why these letters come at the beginning of these surahs. Letters. Letters make words. And words express meaning when they come together. So for example, what's your name? Hamza. Hamza. Ha, Mim, Zai, and Atta, You have four letters of the Arabic alphabet coming together, making a word. Hamza. Now for example, we say, Hamza was eating. Akala. Akala means he ate. So we have two, three, four words sometimes coming together in a sentence conveying 
a meaning. But if you break it down, what is it that's right at the foundation? It is the letters. Now the Qur'an is composed of letters that human beings are familiar with. Aren't we familiar with all of these letters? ذَلِكَ ذَلَّمْ kaf. Do we know these letters? Yes, we do. Do we use these letters, these sounds in our speech? Yes, we do. However, no one can produce anything that is like the Qur'an. Same letters. Same letters. You have alif, ba, ta, tha, all the way to ya. These letters make words. There is the speech of Allah and there is the speech of people. The speech of Allah is the Qur'an. And the speech of people is what? Speech of people. What people say. But is there any comparison? No, there isn't. Allah's speech, the Qur'an, is perfect in its sound. It is perfect in its style. It is perfect in its meaning. It's perfect in its benefit, in its relevance. And when it comes to speech of people... Is it perfect? No. Have you ever heard a song which, you know, sounds really good, but you're like, what is he saying? What's he saying? And you're like, oh, that's what he's saying. What does that mean? And really, if you try to analyze the sounds of these hit songs, right, or the words of those songs, what are they trying to say? Really? I love you. That's it? Okay. And that's being said in different ways. Well, really, do you have to scream in order to say that? And do you have to make all those weird sounds in order to convey that? If you analyze it, it's very foolish. This is the problem with the speech of people. It's imperfect. If we come up with something that sounds very beautiful, it's empty of meaning. If we come up with something that is very meaningful, oh, does it sound boring? Isn't it like that? But if you think about it, the Qur'an is such that people who don't understand even a word of Arabic language, they enjoy listening to it. I remember once we moved into a house and there was a problem with the dishwasher or something. So it was an apartment and you know we called the superintendent to come and take a look. And my son at that time was a little baby. So he was listening to the Qur'an and it was on. So the superintendent came and the Qur'an was on. And uh, I quickly went to turn it off. And he said, please leave it on. He said, please leave it on. It's, it's just so moving. It's just so beautiful. He went on and on. He's like, it's divine. I'm like, yes, it is. It is divine. It's divine speech. And this guy did not know a word of Arabic language. And then we have people who are masters, experts of the language. And when they start talking about the words and the language of the Qur'an, then what happens? They just go right into it. And they could go on and on and on and on. Isn't it? This is the speech of Allah, perfect in every way. So, alif, lam, meem. What is this? It's as if we are being challenged Oh, you people, alif, lam, meem. Here are three letters. Letters that you know. Letters from your language. But can you produce anything like the Qur'an? No, you cannot. 
So alif lam mim. This is a reminder of the perfection of the Quran. Can you write this down? Alif lam mim. This is a reminder of the perfection of the Quran, of the miracle of the Quran. It's like a challenge. We are being convinced of the perfection of the Quran. And this is why every time you come across these huruf in the Quran, the verse that comes right after describes the Quran. So for example, here we have, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ This is a book that has no doubt in it. One more thing about the disjointed letters. One more thing I want to tell you. How are these letters recited? What is on the lam? Mad. What is on the meme? Mad. Who would like to recite Alif, Lam, Meem properly for me? Okay. All of you do it together. Alif, Lam, Meem. Now you see, Alif, Lam, Mad, and then Meem. Now a person who's sitting, all of a sudden when they hear Lam, Meem, You're like, what's going on? It makes a person curious. It makes the listener alert. Alright? So this is another benefit of the disjointed letters. To make the listener alert and curious. So what are the two benefits I told you of the disjointed letters? Firstly, firstly, yes? They remind us of the perfection of the Qur'an, the miracle of the Qur'an. Secondly, Yes, it makes the listener attentive and curious.